episode of Media Literate, oh. a collaborative podcast. Oh. I'm Kim Henry. <laughs> I'm Laura Broman. Uh, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe <laughs> to our oh, Instagram. Okay. I don't think we have... what? That's the first time we've done it all the way through. That's, you could not do that if you want. You're not going to get any more content, but like, <laughs> aren't you proud of us? We did it. <laughs> wow. How far we've come. Yes, Media Literate is a collaborative podcast and now also a conference. Woo, what? And also a coven. And also a coven, coven conference podcast. Coven conference podcast, the CCP, the CPC. Yep. So for the final episode, single tier, several more tiers, ouchie, ouchie, uh, we decided to switch up the format once again, the, the third time we're switching the format in this two-year process. We're doing great. Um, but we wanted to bring back some of our frequent contributors, some of your favorite guests, uh, to kind of round out the episode with um, as much poignant, sappy shit as we could come yeah. up with. Right? It's true. Yeah, we got some, we got some panels. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to start with it's funny, this, uh, the first panel that we're doing, I, I am the moderator. Um, <laughs> the the last panel I'm ever going to moderate. <laughs> no well, one's, one no one's like hitting up. No one's in my DMs like, excuse me, uh, Miss Henry. I'll hit you up to lead a panel. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you so much, Laura. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this first panel is actually in the the timeline of, of life recorded after I submitted like a truly depressing final uh, leftover from when I had COVID in January <laughs> from last semester so that I could graduate. So um, the question is, why does media matter? Mm. And I am truly asking that question in this panel. I am like, give me a reason to keep living. Like, I gotta know what, what was all this for? Mm. Um, and our special guests on that panel, Colton and Julia, did a pretty decent job of convincing me. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I was I was staring into the abyss and they were like, hey, come back here. Stare at, stare at TV instead. I too had a lovely time with my panels. Um, yeah, so I, uh, my first panel that I moderated this, oh God, it's, it sounds Woo-hoo! wrong to say. Um, SCMS who? <laughs> um, yeah, I think because we've been doing this cannon fodder bit for a while now, we were kind of you know, we've kind of, I don't want to say exhausted all of the movies that we feel like we should watch because of course we haven't, but we've gone through a lot of the ones that we feel most guilty about. So we mm-hmm. kind of wanted to turn to other people and ask what, uh, what would they add to the canon? What should I watch now that I've, I mean, I haven't ticked everything off the list, but a lot of the things. So <laughs> Julia Elizabeth Evans, our resident um, production person, uh, and Bree Sonner, video game maestro video game master soon to be as we're all <gasps> master's degrees um join wait do you think we could get people to refer to us as maestro like you know how phds can be <laughs> maestro like doctor like uh doctor uh, somebody somebody i cannot think of a single notable phd right now but there are several my parents my parents 
Dr. I want to say Lynn and Tom. Oh my gosh. Your mom's name really is Lynn. What? Yeah. That okay. truly the main accomplishment of this podcast. <laughs> I'm really happy to remember Laura's mom's name now. Dr. Lynn Broman and nope. Maestro Laura Broman. Lynn Nyhart. She kept her maiden name. Like a true feminist. The <laughs> second panel that I'm doing. <laughs> oh, wow. Class. How could we not have done such a bad job? Like, it's it's so appropriate at the ending of this podcast. Oh, yeah. No, we weren't going to like, I got it together for the intro. That's the only part that I was like, we got to nail this and the rest. We're just limping to the finish line, baby. Uh, the third panel that uh, I'm hosting uh, is with Charlotte back from episode one did she and she did another episode throughout the seasons but like I was really happy to have her back Mm -hmm. as like one of the last recordings uh and Sebastian to answer the question that has been truly plaguing me um how do you keep loving media when it is the degree that you're getting Mm -hmm. and once again staring into the abyss this this conference is actually just like a round robin therapy session for me (laughs) (laughs) a little bit yeah yeah. yeah, but they help answer, like, when you do what you love for your work, how do you keep loving it? Mm. And I think they do a really good job of it. Oh, that's good. Uh, because I think I've said at least once on this podcast and multiple times to everybody that I know that I think I just hate movies now. Yeah. Uh, so people are like, what's the favorite movie you saw of the last two years? None of them. Struck. There aren't other good movies. That's it. That's the only good film. You're welcome. Yep. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Rounding it off. Rounding it off. Maestro um, Broman. Yes. So as may or may not have been apparent, I will be joining a PhD program in the fall and Kim will be. Oh God. I phrased that so badly. I'm so How sorry. fucking dare you? Don't ask me that. I'll be unemployed. <laughs> you will be embarking off on your amazing career uh, in, in the movie business. So <laughs> I'm going to start that over. That was so bad. <laughs> Keep going. Go on. Go on. What's, what's your what's your panel about? So basically, uh, we wanted to ask uh, some of our contributors: Should you go to grad school? If you're considering grad school, should you go? Why? So we had on um, Anne and Daniela. Uh, Anne is also starting a PhD program in the fall. Daniela is not. So we want to talk about kind of what have have you taken the most out of from this experience? And it was so lovely. And again, life affirming. We should talk to other people besides us because I think when we talk, it gets really depressing. We're just like a, a spiral of negativity. We're like, everybody else is like here. a whirlpool. Yeah. Is there, is there a, a real word for that? Oh, I, I don't know. Whirlpool yeah, movie. just like an ocean tornado of negativity. That's us. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Yeah, if you've listened to the show, we do complain a lot about it, but like, I'm happy we did the thing. I'm very happy. And I'm even happier we made a podcast while doing it. Me too. And who knows, maybe next year, we'll have a real conference. Oh, Probably not. But for now, (laughs) enjoy these panels. (laughs) So... Welcome back to our final panel, which I feel like I got some of the OG media literate um, 
introduction voice there did you hear yes. that you it was very... that was good that was really Hello, good oh and welcome to media literate <laughs> are you recording it under a blanket like you used to do hell no i actually question. i lowered my standards significantly for these panels i'm not even in the closet anymore well we love that yes yeah, that's really good on a lot of levels lowering your standards just like we're doing for school not being in the closet that's the vibe that it's always that's grad school baby low standards coming out Woo. yeah i think i mean this is be gay do really, okay <laughs> this is a really good panel i think to end on because we are like limping toward the finish line right now no i mm -hmm. uh i just turned in like the biggest steaming piece of garbage that i've um that i've written in quite some time love that and favorite. so i'm really i'm really happy to hear please give me a reason to keep going uh why does media matter <laughs> that's the question we're asking today that's, mm. that's this panel what do you guys think how do like this matters it does i swear to god i can't remember why in the midst of a paper that i have like really lost the thread on you know like why Go ahead, Julia, yeah. Yeah, I, so I've been thinking about this, pondering graduation. I have been thinking about this a lot. Why does media matter? And honestly, mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of people do ask, like, why would you go to grad school for film mm -hmm. studies versus like, a lot of us have like other interests that intersect and other disciplines, you know, like whether it be like anthropology or psychoanalysis or like mm. political theory, like whatever you're interested in, sort of like that we funnel in through this media lens. Um, and it's like, yeah, why, why do you not just go to school for anthropology? Well, the question there is, first of all, uh, it's so much fucking cooler. It's just so much better <laughs> to look at things through yeah. media. I just feel like it's something that truly unites people in a very clear obvious way and it feels like a really relatable way to talk about these like bigger topics through a lens that's more like mainstream or accessible or visually compelling mm. and I think that for me that's constantly what we come back to down the line you know is like as much as I do love these other fields and disciplines that I look into like undergraduate level nothing really compares to being able to talk about it critically through these objects um, that we all sort of look to at the same time and have an understanding of Oh shit. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like on we should just end on that note. Like thanks for listening Panel to our podcast. Over. Okay. Uh, illiterate is canceled now. Yeah. No, Colton. No, I, I love I love that, Julia. It makes me think back a lot too, because I like recently was at a informal lunch thing with these people who are like, hey, you you study film, right? Like, tell me about that. And so like the constant need as as art students and film scholars like justify why we dedicate you know six years of our life and then for those of us who agree to go into grad school like you julia another five to six years mm -hmm. <laughs> um which is just so weird because i think while this congrats by the way yeah Thank congrats um, while this like starts as a film degree it's really just sort of become media and we're surrounded by media medias everywhere we're dealing with it on our phones we're dealing with it in commercials everybody watches movies everybody watches content right? especially with the pandemic and so, like, I, I don't think I've ever been a part of a conversation of meeting somebody new where after like a few minutes, it just always goes to what do you like to watch? Mm -hmm. You know, like media is just such an important part. And so, well, people kind of poke a jab at like, oh, you're studying media, like you watch movies for school. Um, it, I would push back to like, it's such an integral part of our culture that media is everywhere. So mm -hmm. it, 
it matters because it's such a, a timestamp of the culture. And so learning about it and studying it's just is vital to understanding how and why we are the way we are. I really, so. really appreciate that. I really appreciate both of these answers, not only because you're like being the light at the end of the tunnel that I'm still like clawing my way out of, but also that this is like, I feel like other disciplines aren't constantly being like, but why do we matter? And yeah, yeah. Some of them objectively do matter more. I guess if you want to be a brain surgeon. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, you can have that one. (laughs) But I do think, you know, we're also seeing this sort of trend in academia where people like things like English departments are losing retention and like Mm. classical disciplines in the humanities have lost a little bit of interest and people are moving more towards like not just cinema, but new media and sort of communication and these expansive ways in which we view media. And I do think that there's something to be said there about the futurity of the humanities and our need to adapt with the times. Mm -hmm. And so there's a real value there to be able to have that critical insight into the way we look Mm -hmm. at media. And I I really do think it's going to be an important part of where academia goes next. And in the same way that I was talking about it earlier of us integrating other disciplines, more and more other disciplines are feeling the need to sort of incorporate like a digital component or a visual Mm -hmm. component, or even like a critical making component to a lot of these other fields of study. And I think that shows the impact we have, not just in our own field, but also on academia as a whole. And I think that's incredibly exciting. Yeah. And I think there's also something to be said for the time that we're in, where on the one hand, it is, it does feel like a moment where you really, really have to justify Mm -hmm. like, okay, we're talking about movies, but it matters. And then on the other side of that, I do see media studies on some level, really, really pushing to be something that can change the world. Oh yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to strike this balance because on the one hand, some of like the most interesting media objects are the least accessible to people. Yeah. And then on the other hand, the broadest, most like, hey, do you want to reinforce ideology? Those can really have massive impact. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just at this moment where even the the impulse to justify media studies or to say, why does media matter comes from this position where we feel a lot of responsibility to the world to exist outside of, not even of a screen, but outside of academia and work to have an impact. And I think encouraging that and acknowledging that like, Maybe I think I'm going to complain about TJ Demos for the second time on this episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe video um, video installation art isn't going to like be the thing that changes the world. But there is so, so much more to media studies than I think the the very niche um, art historian or like... Yeah. Mm -hmm. a thousand years ago stuff but then more importantly honestly my stance is that doesn't have to save the world yeah like as much as I fucking hate TJ Deimos please like I hope you stub your toe on the corner of a of a bookcase (laughs) today and all days Mm -hmm. um despite this 
love what you love. Like that's the other thing that is so great about this degree that we don't really talk about and so great about media is that there really is something for everyone and you can have something that makes your heart absolutely sing. And if you want to write about that and five other people get it, then fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm actually, partial, I'm partial to an art installation, Kim. I'm just putting that out there. It was yeah, I know. I saw Julia's life. eyes narrow just ever so slightly when I said that. It's not. It's not you. It's him. It's not even video installations. It's him. It's just him. It's just him. TJ. Uh, I actually. So I wanted to to kind of go off of that and then kind of with as an ending point. Um, your comment about like changing the world, I think, is so interesting because I like recently had attended uh, a humanities class with my partner and the, like on the final day, like the professor like repeatedly was saying like, now go out there and change the world and like do something different and like be, you know, be better. Right. And it's kind of funny to tell like college kids to like change the world. But then when you think about what media has done politically and ideologically, like shifting thoughts and opinions and ideas does enhance or change the world. And I wanted to end on, this is repetitive for both of you because we were in class together, but I was reading um, from a film scholar who talks about climate trauma and looking at why we make stories and movies about traumatic crises and things. And uh, her name is- Totally unrelatable right now. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, So I'm gonna read this for you guys, but for our audience. So uh, her name is E. Ann Kaplan. Um, And she says that uh, films that reflect pre-trauma operating in a culture work with the process of fear and hope. And she says that um, in order for anything to change, I argue, this is quoting her now, I argue that such processes first have to be grasped, then changed. And so like one way that media exists, that stories exist, is because first a culture has to understand and like grasp the concept of of some new understanding, some new concept, some new um, ideology, right? Or even and just be then, able to look at it, just to face Exactly, it. yeah, just like starting the conversation, like things, ideologies change with conversations and conversations begin like through storytelling and ideas being brought up. So I, I think to some degree media can and does change the world and that's why it's so important. Yeah, and you know, to end on a total downer, um, <laughs> When you're part of the neoliberal machine, um, yep. it is also not your job to save the world or change the world. Um, an important caveat here, it's it, at the end of the day, if the only person you you change and help is yourself, that's still an absolutely worthwhile endeavor. And if media helps you do that, then great. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't a downer. That was really lovely. I think the change emotional the roller coaster of this, uh, this episode really does represent the emotional roller coaster we are all on right now so if nothing else media literate listeners here's a peek into the mind of a media studies grad student you should try it try it it's sometimes they give you money maybe not during a pandemic yeah maybe not then well bye bye I'm so emotional. It's the end. Oh my gosh. Yep. Time to go get high and go for a walk. I'm keeping Please that. Please end on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the final, that needs to be the final word of media literate. I'm keeping it in the edit. Okay. So
I am now joined by Julia Elizabeth Evans and Bree Sonner, who you will be familiar with. I said that with the other thing that I recorded. Every, everybody's been on here before. It's lovely to have you guys back. Um, Thank you. We, Thanks for having us. <laughs> so we're doing uh, sort of flipping cannon fodder on its head. We Every episode, we Kim or I will watch a movie that we feel bad that we haven't watched before, and we'll tell the other one whether it's important to add to like the canon, which is this amorphous term that we've been throwing around as like the things that you, the media that you should probably consume. Um, so today we wanted to ask some other people what they think uh, should be included in the canon. What piece of media do you feel like is essential viewing for people who want to understand uh, media? So uh, that's what Julia and Brie are here to offer us. Um, I'm going to start with Julia. Uh, what, what's one thing that you, you want to add to the canon? What should I be watching? Uh, I would say any King Hu movie. Uh, King Hu is a Chinese director from the 70s, a mainland Chinese director. And um, he's most famous for uh, a movie called A Touch of Zen. But my oh. favorite... My favorite of his is Come Have a Drink With Me, uh, which is about a woman who's trying to uh, rescue her brother from, uh, you know, a villain character. What I think is really critical about uh, King Hu and really Come Have a Drink With Me and the, is that it is a, it's a genre. It's the wuxia genre. And that's what I want to bring into uh, the canon is wuxia yes. China, mainland Chinese <laughs> cinema, mm -hmm. which is related to um, the T-shirt that Laura currently is wearing. I'm, Enter the Dragon. I don't know why I sh like I went up to show the T-shirt that I'm wearing. We're again audio medium. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing an Enter the Dragon T-shirt today, so I'm just very happy that. Uh, just shout out martial arts movies martial arts. from yeah. from like North 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 yeah. uh, North Asia. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I just. Uh, specifically come have a drink with me i think it's fucking phenomenal specifically come have a drink with me i think it's phenomenal it Can I just is say that the, that's a lovely title for a movie like i'm just very i'm very charmed i want to have a drink with this movie now Thanks. and like, and and what's amazing about is it's um, it's a misdirection because you're imagining come have a drink with me there's some it could be a romance it's, yeah it isn't it's an it's in the the west it's in the chinese west so it's like out in the desert it's you know you have there's monks and you have these people and you have you know it's back the thing about wuxia that's different from a lot of hong kong martial arts movies like enter the dragon is wuxia is primarily just set in the past mm -hmm. and so in that way it's analogous to an american western that mm -hmm. american western genre mm -hmm. um it's like there's really like a lot of one-to-one -one and um comparisons but what's cool about come out of the drink with me and the title itself is that it is not at all a romance. It is about this woman kicking butt and like, and like her story as she's trying to find her brother and just trying to like, you know, beat up all these guys and get and save her brother. And what's like, I just want to say, like, the reason why I want to bring this into the canon is because uh, martial arts movies, Chinese martial arts movies, have so much um, spiritual and uh, spiritual storytelling mm -hmm. that I think is kind of missing and in, in, for that matter like a lot of western mm. stories and a lot of western filmmaking mm -hmm. um and then moreover it's what's interesting about Chinese martial arts movies specific again going wuxia, being very specific about wuxia is that they're in conversation with 
with our canon, actually. Like hmm. these films, King Who talks a lot about watching and studying Douglas Fairbanks and on uh, all the swashbucklers. Mm-hmm. So so it's just natural that when we watch a Douglas Fairbanks movie, we should also watch a King Who movie. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that kind of reminds me of, I mean, this is just a, an effect of like American kind of cultural imperialism, but the sort of the connections between like Kur- like between like Kurosawa and Western films, like yeah. both being influenced and influencing him. And and I mean, it's a very complicated topic, but- It is you know, complicated. The- and the only, well, so I'm just, this is my yeah, jam. The only reason why <laughs> they were the- like Kurosawa is more of an is is in the canon and somebody like King who is not is because of the cultural revolution it's because of communism straight up like Mm -hmm. these films were not exported to the United States the same way that Kurosawa's film Mm -hmm. while maybe not as much as you know we weren't we weren't seeing Sergio Leone's films we weren't seeing like Kurosawa's films as much as we were seeing uh like you know right like easy rider or anything but at the same time they were being exported and these films were not and so that's why it's very it's ex- mm-hmm. exciting to like just have access to them now yeah. or like to find them in, you know you can find a lot of these movies on Amazon Prime which is cool um, yeah. but yeah, yeah so it's just it's cool to kind of have that that um now that things are more globalized we can yeah. watch the movies that we were not that we're not that the market wouldn't allow us to watch in the past yeah I love that I mean there's so many like non-Hollywood film traditions that I don't know in 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 America and especially in Los Angeles it's just so I don't know we are so Hollywood centric and it's so necessary and it's cool well, and it's like, cool to acknowledge that that this what's interesting about this this area of like filmmaking or this yeah is is that they are in conversation with us and yeah. and then just to acknowledge that yeah but that's, so that's my thing is more wusha in more I love it. It's yes, uh, fantastic contribution. I love this so much. Um, so Brie, uh, moving hey. on to Brie, what would you like to to add to the uh, the canon? Our little canon. Yeah. So this question definitely prompted a whole bunch of other thought in me in terms of like, is there a video game canon that's separate, yeah. or video games in the canon? Like, how do you even? conceptualize this media form Mm -hmm. within this concept however for the purposes of keeping this within the like bite-sized question answer (laughs) as well as like not dodging the question and actually answering it I'm just gonna give you a game which is what remains of Edith Finch you know Um, I have heard of this game as like a as a kind of like necessary viewing game so like and I have not (laughs) so here's why I think this game is great and why it's a good addition slash a good game for kind of like everyone should play it is the story is really good and it is also a really good video game for people who want to engage with game mechanics but are not very familiar with any sort of standard language Mm. Um, because the basic premise of the story is you're playing as this character who's going back to their childhood home that's like very weird and eccentric and all of their family members have died under weird and mysterious circumstances so as you explore this house you find these sealed up rooms and like basically a different artifact or story that relates to each of them like a pile of photos or a comic or an old diary that sort of thing Um, and when you unlock one of them you basically are taken into a level or a like unique sort of game piece that has its own mechanics its own art style and like really compelling stories so it's a really Mm -hmm. good example of this sort of 
narrative game and like how you can create emotional storytelling, but also each time you find a new thing, you will be interacting differently. And it's almost a puzzle to figure out how to interact with it. So it's not mm. like, oh, if you've played a lot of video games, you'll know what to do here yeah. it is for every type of player. Oh, let's figure it out now that we're here. Did you have a favorite? Can you like describe one of the levels that you like? Yeah, just give like? us a little, a little yes. taste, a little sneak preview. One of them is like, I just think about it all the time because you're basically playing as... I think this character's older brother who got a job at like a fish cannery and is like basically daydreaming on his job because the job is very boring and repetitious. So oh, he's like yeah. inventing this fantasy world for himself. So you have your left joystick if you're playing with a controller doing just this repetition motion of like grabbing a fish, fish slicing off its head and then putting it in the pile just over and over kind of like up grab left that kind of mm-hmm. repetition and then with the other hand you have you're like wa- playing this avatar wandering through this fantasy world that's getting like more and more complex like it starts 2d kind of hand-drawn maze and goes into like a whole 3d map and like starts to take over the whole like screen even um mm-hmm. so it's really technically impressive like I remember yeah. playing it and just being like oh my gosh yeah um, and I think it's a really good example of like the game design supporting this emotional narrative experience yeah I think we, that, we talked about that in the, that one interactive media class mm, I've ever taken it kind so of engages the idea of embodiment where like your body is kind of engaged like as the character where the character is kind of unconsciously doing the fish canning thing and so then you eventually also become you really become the character as like the right hand like mechanic yeah. just becomes so unconscious because you're you're focused on the daydream um so that's so like, cool yeah that's yeah. and that's and i will say like i love the way that these all these things interact you know media right mm-hmm. like filmmaking and like watching a movie watching a tv show playing a video game I, I think that concept of embodiment is really something I'm seeking in films in store in like kind of the you know film world or in the TV world is how do you experience that character or that person yeah that person's present experience um uh and I just want to add I really love the way you describe or like the specific one that you described this kind of the repetitive motion and how that it becomes this fantastical thing it makes me want to play this game for that matter. I know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I did yeah. it. I got two more. <laughs> when did the game? When did the game? Uh, when was the game released? And what? Where do you play it? I want to say the late 2010s is when it was released. Mm-hmm. This isn't the reason I'm recommending it for the canon, but fun fact, it was also the video game I was playing when I got accepted into USC. Oh, so, I was like, watching Star Trek then. when I got accepted to USC. So <laughs> that's a really canon, brand. really. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah. oh my God, y'all, I was watching, oh, this is ridiculous. I was, because I hadn't watched any Quentin Tarantino, like his early stuff. Oh I, was, I was watching Quentin Tarantino because I was like, I guess I got to get into and it's that's just like related because Quentin Tarantino is all about martial arts movies so yeah I mean I love that like you know there are so many like amazing things out there <laughs> not the mm-hmm. deepest thing to say but like there are <laughs> you know there's a whole like wuxia is a huge genre going back before film right, right. like and and Ancient. games like there are so many games that like even if you don't consider yourself a gamer like are absolutely amazing you should definitely check out and I hope that you know one of the 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 one non-film piece of media that I watched for 
like the cannon fodder segment was The Wire, which is a TV show, because really only it was during the 90s when uh, TV shows started to get like critical attention. And I feel like we are seeing that increasingly with video games now where it's like, yeah. this is actually like a an art form that deserves attention and um, like from kind of like the critical mainstream um, in a way that maybe I'm wrong about that. And it's just that it's- No, no. Just recently. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it's something that I think like increasingly we are going to be seeing like oh you haven't played this game what so uh <laughs> which is super exciting because and and there's going to be so much more form creation that's happening in the, yeah. in the video game world yeah it's yeah. still like I I've heard people talk about this Marie and I wonder if you agree with like we're still in the kind of silent film era of video games mm. like we haven't even gotten to the talkies you know Ooh. Yeah, I know one thing I hear discussed is also the relationship with distribution platforms, like mm. the growing popularity of Steam, meaning more indie games can get published and then more platforms for advertising means more possibilities of like, not just, okay, well, what's the big PlayStation game this year, but like, what do I want to find? So mm -hmm. I think there's definitely something there as well yeah. with the production distribution practices mm -hmm. leading to more content being available, wow. which is great. This is amazing. All right, I'm pumped. Like, I'm like, <laughs> feel like I'm walking away from this, like, excited to watch, to, to consume more. I don't want to say the word consume, but like to hate it, engage right? with more media content. Um, that's good. But, I like that alternative. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah that's true. Um, all right. Well, thank you both for coming and doing this with me. This was so lovely. Yeah. yeah this is so you. fun. All right. I want to last forever. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, uh, welcome to our next panel. I don't know how committed we're going to be to the uh, media literate conference episode, um, but having never attended and probably never going to attend an academic conference at this point, I'm deeply excited by it. Um, so hi guys, why don't you introduce yourselves? Hi, uh, my name is Sebastian. I uh, have been in the podcast a few times. I was just in the last episode, which we recorded a few days ago. So that's Ayo. fun. And I, I was, I just want to say, Kim, I was um, at uh, SCMS, which is the big conference center field a few weeks ago. And you did a much better job of introducing us than the chair of my panel did. So oh. already off to a great start here. All right, we're talking uh. shit. That's my favorite part of academia is the uh, the freedom with which little bit of you know we share a lot of constructive criticism and I think that's really important for growth. Charlotte you're hello. Charlotte. Hello I'm Charlotte I have been on a few episodes but not for a little bit but I'm back um, and I was at Sebastian's panel and I'm pretty sure they didn't even introduce him they just made him introduce himself so Kim much better start. Definitely. That is literally what I'm doing to you guys. <laughs> oh well that's I, that's a really good point. Yeah, um, but you know, I think you're still you're probably right. There's there's a warmth in the room, uh, for sure. But all right, I really want to get to this question because this is actually one of the favorite. It was one of my favorite topics of discussion that we would go over for the last episode because I think it's a really um, it's one that I've struggled with over the last couple of years, and I think having talked to you guys about it as well, it's been difficult. So I want to ask. In, in your experience of doing media literate, in your experience of doing a master's in media studies, how do you 
still love media, if that's movies or TV or whatever thing you have been studying, that you had to love at some point, but goddamn, two years of a master's program will really take some of the passion out of it. I can go first if, if you want, Charlotte. Um, I, yeah, this is one I, I think about all the time. And I don't know if either of you have a similar experience, but it's also like, for me, this question is very much framed in relation to like family members or friends outside of the discipline, you know, like, like being frustrated or failing to understand like the way in which I feel like I now watch movies and it's like well why are you always so critical about it or like you know like who thinks of it in that particular way or, or just like I feel like that sort of question comes up a lot and so I feel yeah. like those are very much linked and for me I feel like it's I mean <laughs> it's been a journey and like I, I imagine it will continue to be so in that regard but like I a lot of it has come down to accepting that like all media and particularly for me films because that's primarily both what I watch for pleasure and also what I study but like all of that is just innately going to be like quote-unquote problematic which I feel like is a really overused and reductive word but like for lack of a better term to use um in the moment like it's one of those things like the very nature of filmmaking is that it's going to inevitably or almost always inevitably going to be embedded in particular power structures which are harmful or exploitative or extractive and that's yeah. and in turn reflect the ideologies of the structures and that's just the reality of it and like part of it is I feel like part of doing media studies but also still being able to enjoy media is like acknowledging that but also accepting that like like storytelling is and the desire to consume stories and to respond emotionally to stories mm -hmm. is I feel like at least like pretty innate and so therefore like accepting those two facts and accepting that they don't have to be contradictory or mutually exclusive. Um, it's like, and just accepting that the entire experience and your implicatedness in it is going to be imperfect and that's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know, that's, that's where I've had to land is the thing. It's like, I accepting that like everything I like has problems or like reflects things that I politically or ethically don't agree with, but also that's just like the, the reality of doing this and like I am still driven to want to watch these things because that is like it is storytelling and I am compelled by that so I don't know if that's a, all a good of an answer but that's where I've had to land. No I think it's a great answer it, it definitely speaks to this frustration that I've had with grading student work mm -hmm. because there's a particular type of paper that undergrads and that I wrote a lot when I was an undergrad too so like I, I can't escape the accusation either, but you want to write like this movie that I love is good actually. And, and it's just like, it's, it's a perfect little like er paper for an undergrad where they're like, yeah, maybe it's got a low Rotten Tomato score, or maybe it's like people say this about its politics, but actually I'm going to spend the next 10 pages explaining why it is morally sound. And it's like, hey man, it doesn't have to be. You can just like it. <laughs> we don't need to take this time. <laughs> like write something else about it. Write about actually how it's bad. Write about how the thing you love sucks actually. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Charlotte? 
Um, well, I think Sebastian kind of, as he often does, clarified a few thoughts for me. Um, so <laughs> that was very helpful. That's why I wanted him to go first, to be honest. Um, but um, I think for me, I feel very similarly to Sebastian, as I just said, uh, in that I think this is like often kind of a misunderstood field for everyone thinks I do film production, which I don't. And that's my, <laughs> I think that's my main gripe when I say that, but also then like watching movies with certain people. Yeah. Like my parents think I'm a snob. My family thinks I'm a snob and I'm not trying to be pretentious. So there's that. And I think with, um, just thinking back on this year, because I guess that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> that night that we all watched uh, Twilight together on Halloween, I think was just this beautiful, like, it was just, we were so invested in this movie. We're all so familiar with it. And we've had this, like, relationship with it where we can watch it and be like, this is a lot. This is a lot going on. And we love it, even though it's, like, way too much and we don't agree with all of it and there's a lot mm -hmm. of, of work going on ideology at play um and actually just the other day in one of our classes we watched Rebecca and like the discussion was just like this is such a queer movie like this is everything is and it was just a really great discussion that I think I'm so grateful for conversations like that in grad school mm -hmm. um I think also I don't know if this makes a lot of sense and I don't know if this is actually answering the question but like whenever I go back and reread my undergrad papers it's I can see that like I was trying to do the same thing then that I am now and I'm much more successful at it now and that's very satisfying like it's very satisfying to go back and read these stupid arguments that don't exist and mm -hmm. but it's like trying so hard and I really appreciate and enjoy that and I think that's like what I want to do going forward is like trying to figure things out that I will never figure it out because it's impossible but it yeah is. like holding both of those those truths that we can be very critical and like that it's it's nice that you're trying you're not trying to be a snob when you watch movies with your parents but like a little bit look man we're we we're here getting our masters we're gonna be a bit snobby it's it's a it's an inherently elitist project um and like even accepting that even accepting like when I watch a movie with my dad he literally gets mad at me for wanting to talk about it afterward I think I told you this story Sebastian when we were talking about making the episode in the first place that when I the moment I knew that I was I needed to do media studies or like film studies as as a critical practice was that I left I think it was Star Wars um not the force the second one that everyone hates with Ryan Johnson and I was talking to my dad about it afterward he was like why do you want to talk about this he he just had been like fuming for several minutes while I was like yeah I thought the whole storyline with Poe not believing Laura Dern and with her purple hair like that was like I really didn't like the way that they handled this without really addressing how sexist he was and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and he was like, well, then why did you, so you didn't like the movie? And I was like, no, I fucking love the movie. The part where she like hits the button and they go like supersonic through the ship. Holy shit, that's so cool. And he was like, he just couldn't understand how I held both of those things. And I still don't entirely understand how to hold both of those things, especially in a paper, <laughs> like in a structure <laughs> of an essay. 
but it's it's so much fun to do that work and like sit in the tension of I didn't like this but I did love this and like how does that work also like something I wanted to add which I like to think ties to that and also some of what Charlotte was talking about in terms of like our experience watching Twilight or like the conversation around Rebecca which I'm sad I'm not in that class because that sounds amazing but like I I feel like I don't know what what the experience for you two was but for me I feel like when I first started doing film studies in undergrad the way in which the conversation was very often framed was like media objects films tv whatever are sort of like vessels of ideology that then like that gets imparted on like the audience and that's like why we have to be critical because like I, like it's it wasn't quite like it's a brainwashing thing but a little bit mm -hmm. is the way in which it's I feel like often framed um and only later on was the notion that like uptake is also really important and like the way in which audiences engage with media texts um in the way that both of you were describing you know it doesn't like excuse or mitigate the sort of power structures that exist behind them necessarily but like that that uptake and that reception is a really complicated process and again mm -hmm. like watching a film like Rebecca and insisting on sort of queering it in a lot of ways whether or not that's sort of the quote-unquote intention behind it um is I think a really interesting like it's it's certainly like that's that sort of methodology is really integral to my work and so I think it's like I feel like that's a huge part of that as well as like realizing that there are so many different ways in which people engage with this and get something meaningful out of like these works of media um yeah. and that that is inevitably way more complicated and fractured than whatever sort of dominant ideology we might argue is sort of innate to them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah honestly that's how I feel about um the Mission Impossible series as it develops it's like such clear just patriotic propaganda of like American individualism and this white man will really save all of us and he doesn't play by the rules but that's what's good about him and like the more this series goes on the more they're like is this a good idea like every can further installment is like man Tom Cruise you really still doing this <laughs> We're like, are we sure this is the best way to go about it? And then, of course, in the end, he proves victorious, right? Like, in most Hollywood cinema, it will end on, like, the the bad ideology wins, right? But you can still do all of this stuff in the, in the middle with the questions and tensions and contradictions. And also Henry Cavill, like cocking his arms like they are guns if you saw the trailer for mission impossible fallout it's pretty great i think that's how that's my official answer is like how do i continue to love media as a media studies scholar and it's um just as long as they keep putting pretty conventionally attractive men in the movies and giving them ridiculous muscles and having them do ridiculous things i think maybe that's it I take back all the nuance I previously put on the table. Fair is fair. <laughs> I was going to say that like part of, I feel like part of it is being honest, like with yourself about like as a scholar and as just a, someone who enjoys this stuff, like being honest with yourself about what it is you get out of certain things and why you enjoy it. And maybe like why problematic or troubling aspects of it like do or don't bother you for particular reasons and I don't know maybe that's a form of that um 
Holy shit, Sebastian, you made my really unreasonable (laughs) bad take a really reasonable and good take. And I think that means we got to wrap it up because I'm only going to ruin it from here on out. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys, for coming on and, and having this conversation. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, so uh, I am joined right now by Anne and Daniela, two lovely, familiar voices uh, on this show. We are talking about, um, as we've gotten to the end of these two years of of master's program in cinema and media studies, uh, some of us have uh, chosen to go on and keep studying media studies in PhD programs, and others of us have decided not to continue that and to do other things. So I guess the question that I want to ask you guys is, should people go to grad school? (laughs) Uh, More generally, uh, in the humanities, in media studies, um, however you want to take that question, based on your own experience, you know, what advice would you want to give to somebody Mm. considering grad school now? Um, That's a great question. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess, Anne, uh, let's start with you since you are going to be starting a PhD program in the fall. Oh my God. Uh, sure. I mean, I would still encourage people to go. Like, I think I had a great time in the mm-hmm. past two years. And I, you know, it made me think a lot about what I'm studying and really kind of concretize. I don't know if that's a word but like solidified like my mm-hmm. interest in whatever academic track I wanted to go. So I feel like I get, got, a lot of from grass, got a lot from grad school from this past two years. But I will also say like, if try to find a program that doesn't ask you for tuition, you know, that's my suggestion for anybody going to grad school. If you're, if you're thinking about grad school, make sure it's free <laughs> and get paid. <laughs> It is, uh, we, we were intensely lucky with this program because we did get paid, mm-hmm. uh, which is not something that most MA programs offer. So that is, sure. that is really, really lucky. I'm very grateful for that, for sure. Same. same, same. Um, Daniela, thoughts? Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with my history. Like, I have chosen to end uh, my academic career here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and going into or deciding to go into a master's program was a very 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 last minute decision. Um, my what are they? I don't even, I don't even remember the exams that we had to take. Uh, oh, the GREs. Yeah, the GREs. Oh, terrible. I got my results two days before the application was due. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I love it. Yeah, I I decided I was like maybe maybe I should apply to uh, graduate school like a month before everything was due for a bunch of places. Mm. Um, and so actually that's why I ended up in CAMS because I initially wanted to apply to screenwriting but their deadline was earlier. I see. Um, <laughs> and I'm actually really glad. Like I don't regret it at all. I loved most of the experience of coming to grad school, learning about institutions a lot more I feel that I learned um, uh, in my undergrad, I went to UCI um, and before that community college and before that uh, culinary school. So I've had kind of 
a, a different trajectory in terms of schooling than mm. um, a lot of my peers that I've noticed. Like my mom couldn't go to college because she didn't have papers and my dad never graduated high school. So for them, like higher education was more of when are you going to find a job? Mm. Um, so it was really, mm-hmm. really amazing that I had a chance to foster like academic pursuits. But um, I knew in my heart of hearts, I after I taught my first section, I was like, oh my God, these kids are amazing. Like they're so intelligent. And even though we're doing it through Zoom, they're like really trying to foster and uh, like engage with each other in some way Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, I realized I hated teaching so much I liked being a part of a conversation but not facilitating it in the same way I knew there was no way in hell I wanted to be a director because I don't like to control what's going on in that way Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah that was my first like the first ding in my brain where I was Mm. like I don't I don't see the point of going um, you know, trying to get my doctorate if it's not what I want to do in my life. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah early on, I knew what I wanted. Um, again, no regrets. I think the master's gave me what I needed in terms of like getting me to LA and really helping me kind of build up myself more um, emotionally um, mm. and mentally in terms of like my self-confidence getting into USC was amazing and that was a major boost in and of itself but having uh, I don't want to say survived with the program but gotten through and learned a lot of things about myself and survived is valid survive is a valid (laughs) word I really think it is plus we literally started this program in the worst time of pandemic oh my god pandemic uh cohort yeah Um, we are a pandemic cohort yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point that you have to, you have to find this fulfilling in order to want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so partly like going to, I mean, having like the, being fortunate enough to do a, an MA program that kind of re- like tells you like whether or not this is a good idea before going on to a doctorate is, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good, like it's the, it's the, I don't want to say it's the weed out time mm-hmm. because I think that's a little rude, but I think it's more just like, it, it tells you whether this is a good thing for you. And if it's not, then it helps you, ideally helps you get other, uh, other skills outside of mm-hmm. just Absolutely. focusing on a doctorate. I um, completely, ideally, I don't, I don't know if it, if it yeah. does necessarily, but ideally. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think <clears throat> like <clears throat> my suggestion is if you want a grad school degree, go for an MA first, like before you go to a doctorate, because or, you know, go to one of those that had the, or do like an MA program yeah. degree along the way. Like yeah. those kind of doctorate program is good because yeah. it will give you time to figure things out. I think yeah. MA is just such a good like time for you to figure things out. It's short yeah. enough. And then you get the kind of taste yeah. of the academic life. And do you have a moment when you were like, oh, I actually, I want to do this. Hell yeah. Similar to Daniela's like, oh, I do not want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I never stopped thinking about mm. mm-hmm. going to grad, going to grad school, or like I never, like it never. There's never a moment where it's like, yep, yeah, no, not gonna do a doctorate. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do it since probably junior years of college. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was preparing like to get an MA pretty early, and then hoping to get a like a straight straight up doctorate program, but. 
learned that that's not very common. Mm -hmm. So having an MA is great. Um, so I guess, no, I don't know why. I guess I really, I've been wanting to teach since I was in college. So, mm -hmm. so this yeah. is kind of realizing my dream. So I'm very happy about it. I love teaching, like kind of a different story yeah. um, section. The first section that I taught in, at USC is like, it was amazing. I loved it. I love the students. Same as Daniela. I think the students are super nice, intelligent. And then our discussion was very amazing and I also just love the element of bringing what I know to them and like giving you know we, we curate like film lists for students for this class the intro class and then that's probably my favorite part of the class and I really like giving them fun activities to do I just love teaching so I just really love it so why not get a doctorate that's kind of my thinking yeah that's really nice I think that that's those are like two very different paths that we have here, like the kind of going right from undergrad to PhD with the, or to grad school with the intention of like, I mm -hmm. know this is what I want to do. Um, I'm going to wait, pause for a second. Danielle, just to confirm. Oh, did you? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. I just, um, yesterday my computer restarted from my Zoom class and my computer's slowing down right now. So I'm just oh, gotcha. turning it off before it restarts. Gotcha. But I'm still here. Did you- I'm still uh, lounging on my couch. <laughs> how many years was it between graduating UCI and going to, and like doing this? Into USC? Um, immediately, I just- Oh, okay. Um, even when I was at UCI in my final year, like, my I didn't even consider graduate school until I had a professor um mm. Tiffany Willoughby uh Dr. Tiffany Willoughby who was mm. amazing yeah. um she gave me feedback and like sat me down and talked to me and said that this was a possibility for me and mm. yeah just that one person like she implanted that idea in my brain and I'm forever thankful I feel like yeah. I've always had one teacher that just said one thing to me and Aww. that's how it essentially got me here <laughs> yeah so, yeah I think a lot of us yeah. have that like have had that experience um but yeah so I guess I guess mine is a little different because I graduated college not not initially intending to go to grad school I was like I'm gonna um like try to do work like private sector I worked in marketing for a while and it was not for me uh, which Marketing. is my polite way of saying it was absolutely soul crushing. Uh, yep. <laughs> and at some point I think, so trying to figure for me, trying to figure out like, do I want to do this was very wrapped up in like, am I just doing this because I don't know what else to do with my life. And that is, you know, I think probably, especially like once the pandemic hit, like that was a big vibe for a lot of people. Like not only are you now in your mid twenties and or early to mid twenties, and that's not fun. It's just miserable. You also have this extra awful thing, you know, mm. it wasn't a good time. That's not a hot take, but, uh, so for me, it was the, the first semester or two was definitely figuring mm -hmm. out like, is this what I want to do? Unfortunately, it, it, I liked the teaching element. I got really excited. I think I got to give a, I was teaching a horror and sci-fi class or hey. teaching a horror and sci-fi class my first semester nice. and the professor oh. let me do a, a week or a lecture on um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, like kind of like the history of like B movies and trash film, which the Texas Chainsaw is not, but I just, 
it was it's part of a trajectory film. I, <laughs> uh, and I spent like way too much time researching for I spent like an entire day's worth of just like going through like reading reading books trying to like prepare for it and it was the most fun ever and I think that was when I was like okay yeah I'm ready for this um, I love it so yeah I don't know it's I guess just to close it's, out is there something for oh, both of you what oh I was gonna say on that note oh, very yeah. quickly I wanted to just say like that's I love that story because it's just kind of like a passion project from from that point right yeah and it's just what's important I feel like for everybody who wants to do a, a grad school or a doctorate is something that you that pushes you just to forward like I mean I love teaching but that's the teaching part but also you know whatever research you're doing sometimes when I'm like oh I really can't write anything I'll just go on the archive websites that I bookmark I have like a whole page of bookmark archive websites and I look at the things in the archive That's and okay. that would be like I'll keep going you know these things needs people to write about it I love that so much that's incredible um okay so yeah I guess just to close out uh is there something that you wish like a piece of advice that you would like to give your past self you know like in um what do you wish you had known before doing this uh mm. for yeah for both of you wow that's a hard question yeah if you want to take a second I mean I don't know it's <laughs> oh if I can go back in time if you go back yeah. in time or like if if like if a very similar person to you, Daniela, came up to you right now and was like, should I go to grad school? What would you say? Oh, what okay. Because I was like, if if we're going back in time, then I'm giving myself lottery numbers. Um, <laughs> I love year it. Off. Yeah. Um, but no, if like, uh, no, I would say do what you feel is right for yourself because it's very difficult to like give I mean, it's easy to give someone advice because you don't have to deal with the consequences of their actions for the most part. Um, but, you know, I would say yes, based on my experience. I, it, it's really helpful to me um, as a person. Um, I got to meet a lot of amazing people. Um, I got to really push myself in ways that I didn't think I would be able to do. Um, nice. So nice. I... Nice. Um, so even though like if the top thing I'm I'm not saying is education that's like that almost seems like the least part of it because there's a lot of other amazing things that you can get from yeah. grad school um, yeah. that go beyond your expectations but um, if money is a thing I, like I said I would not have done this um, I would not be in debt for eighty thousand dollars <laughs> yeah yeah there are a lot yeah. of factors that people have to think about yeah I definitely totally agree I feel like that suggestion is what I would say as well I would just you know say try out especially well especially for honestly for international students if you're like debating if you really want to work in a different country honestly grad school is a really good chance mm. to find that out because yeah. like right after college you're either gonna you know throw into like for international students who's listening like a year of like like OPT things that you can only do work related to your job but not necessarily finding a good job because mm. one year but I think grad school is just like a good chance for you to figure more things out I would just say try it out and also you'll definitely meet good people everywhere make friends and and like you know like Daniela said push yourself to a 
different level, I would say. And it's just quite amazing. Honestly. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, point that you're both making that I, I think I wouldn't have anticipated that like two years ago is the like meeting the, the people that I've met here, like classes have been important and the professors have been important in helping shape like me throughout this process. But like talking to you guys and learning from you has been I think one of the most transformative parts of it, like, and really valuable and like not, I mean, like you two and the kind of everybody else in the, in the cohort and outside of it, like you get to talk with other people who are really, really passionate about stuff and you get to learn from them and like see kind of new windows opened up for them and for yourself that you wouldn't have expected. So yeah. Completely agree. Okay. Well, this was super lovely. Uh, you guys are both great. I love you. And thank you for joining us for this mini panel. You're welcome. It's You're been welcome. a pleasure to be here. Um, you know where to email my check. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The usual, the usual. One. Just right. put a treat in an envelope yep. and I'll give it to Akira. Yep. Oh. <laughs> wasn't all that cute <laughs> we are eminently adorable <laughs> um and so are all our friends yeah this was a lot of fun to do the little i don't i call it a conference like one part of me is like that's the cutest best thing ever and the other thing it's just it's just, it's just our friends talking to each other and that's really nice <laughs> is it a little cringe yes but you know things are only cringe because uh it's just people really genuinely caring Look, very openly, which is gross. We had a lot of drinks last night and watched Supernatural together, which was about the cringiest activity you can do. And I just want to look back on my high school self and be like, hey, one of one day you're going to have somebody to watch this with. And it's going to be oh. so fun instead of miserable. So, oh, my God. So, you know, I think you just broke my heart, Laura, because oh. I don't know if I ever watched Supernatural with someone. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're adults and hot and we have friends now. Uh, and those Holy friends shit. are great. Back on track. Hey, uh, <laughs> very smart. Um, yeah, you know, I I think I expressed this to some extent in the the final panel that we had. But like uh, as much as I've learned from classes and stuff talking to these people and talking to you in these episodes has like really really taught me so much and I feel like I've taken away so much from this and I got to say that in my interview to PhD programs that I then got into so hey. it was <laughs> you talked about your podcast in your PhD <laughs> did you tell them what it's called you know what I want to walk that back actually I did not talk about it but <laughs> I did not tell them what it was called though <laughs> It's like, you know, talking with my friends in a definitely not recorded context <laughs> that you cannot look up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. <laughs> God, now I'm trying to promote the pod. God damn it. I know. I know. I, I've really, really loved doing this process. I've, I've always struggled to do anything in addition to what I do. Like after high school, I remember my senior year of high school, it was like a rainy day. I was in the car with my mom and I turned to her and I was like, I'm not going to do extracurriculars in college. <laughs> and I didn't yeah. <laughs> until I did, but whatever. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. but yeah, like having this also be something that is totally up to us. Like we could, 
I could quit this at any time. There's no like external authority figure except for Sebastian and his sweet, sweet face and how sad it would be <laughs> if I made him sad. Yeah. Um, but like, this is really just us. And it also really, I think, highlighted for me how many how smart all of our friends are, but in mm. such different ways. Yeah. Like we spent our last meeting with all of us for the production team, just kind of like, it was a total circle jerk. We were all just like, <laughs> oh my God, you're so great. And you're so great. And I think my, Sebastian's going to hate me for this, but he always says like, I just want to do more. I just want to pull my own weight. And I cannot stress enough listeners without Sebastian, scheduling like everything we do wouldn't exist without Colton Colton manages the workflow in a way that I can only hope to do one day as a as an adult maybe yeah like Colton found out how to put the podcast on platforms which (laughs) is no matter how much work we did in the like designing the podcast we have a mission statement Mm -hmm. on a google doc somewhere no matter what I would never have gotten this podcast on Spotify. It wouldn't have happened. <laughs> and then Julia Camus did the um, the art for our show. Like incredible. All these people are so, so talented. And I already knew they were smart, but like coming from this having done podcasts before, I was like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. And I'm I'm an experienced person. And I just really want to shout out like, how invaluable mm-hmm. all of these different people's different skills are. Um, so also yeah. if you're ever in a room thinking like you're hot shit or whatever, just like look around mm-hmm. and notice all the people and everything they bring to the table that we would not be able to like complete the mission without because Aww. I guarantee you they're there and I'm so 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 grateful for all the people who made the show possible including my roommate Laura whoa oh, this shucks. turned into the longest Oscar speech ever play me yeah the music okay wait 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 before we go um also shout outs to uh Charlotte Bree and Anne who were the editors uh along with Julia Camus uh this whole time oh my god and Julia Evans who we truly brought on in the last season. I was like, you guys, I don't want to do a good chunk of this job anymore. She, oh my God. It's incredible. <laughs> she came in and like saved the day yeah. in a massive way. So major shout outs to everyone. Yeah. Was yeah just- we should leave before Will Smith smacks on the little. 